The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello and welcome to Imp's WWE Adventures podcast here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. You look back at the WWE week that was. This week we had Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia, then immediately setting up through the week to Survivor Series War Games uh, throughout the course of the week. And uh, we'll just get it out there quickly that I am not going to talk about SmackDown. Because what, uh, let's talk about Crown Jewel instead. Because uh, SmackDown was setting up Crown Jewel, it kind of makes sense to dedicate time to that. Without further ado, I'm going to immediately jump in. I've not got any announcements, not got anything to bash through. Let's immediately just talk about Crown Jewel live from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, this past Saturday. Now the entire wind knocked out of him, being driven through the barricade. Roman Reigns wants to beat Knight, center of the ring, spear. Roman Reigns, <laughs> reigning tall, because of course he was, of course he was. LA Knight, is, uh, his time's up, his time, is, his time. he had his lovely time in the sun. He's done now, that's it, that's his one shot, and he did miss his chance. <laughs> that's it, he's done. Back down the card you go. Tag match for WrestleMania? I, I will say, uh, a lot of the jokes that I kind of do for the way that WWE would book someone off of something like this, it's all based off the Vince era. <laughs> like, of Triple H hasn't had an era to do this sort of thing, but in the past, ah... And somebody would get over in this way, more closer to the Zack Ryder way rather than the this is the story we're telling way. If you're punished for it, you'd maybe get your little little moments so the crowd can cheer, and then you get Zack Ryder wheelchair off the stage, you get made to look like a moron. John Cena steals your girl. <laughs> All that stuff. But this feels like a different era. I feel like this was, I was saying it this time last week. That this was all about elevating Lele Knight. He was never going to win. It was seeing whether he as a character could dance in the main event. Whether the fans would still get behind him. Saudi Arabia, obviously an interesting test. Because they'll cheer for everything. But they weren't just cheering. They were chanting, yeah, for everything. Absolutely everything. Yeah chants throughout the entire main event. Lele Knight felt like an absolutely huge deal coming out of it. And I feel like... With this era, that's like a huge jump for LA Knight to then go through something at the WrestleMania season. It's it's a, it's a it's an interesting one just because in the past, a character like LA Knight, when he would have gotten the momentum, like when I say the past, the past decade of WWE before this, it, it was kind of like one of the phrases used was WWE against the fans. And I don't mean obviously they were putting on a product to piss them off, but it's a really weird vibe where they had one creative direction, the fans would get behind a character, and then Vince would be like, no... We're going for this guy. We're pushing this character. You will like him. I will. Te- it felt it felt like it was more. I will tell you what you like. And the fans, it, fans were saying, we don't want that. <laughs> it's really weird. Like they would always have the guys potentially there, but it kind of felt like there was an era of guys who were on the cusp of maybe going somewhere, and then they'd just get the legs cut out from under them, and they just wouldn't be able to go anywhere. They wouldn't really get that big match. And yes, Dolph Ziggler got championship matches, but he never got like 
featured as a top guy. That was a problem in a way for CM Punk. He had the, such a long vein, but he only really got featured as a, this is a genuine like main event guy. Oh, no, when I say genuine main event guy, what I mean is John Cena main evented most of the pay-per-views where CM Punk was champion. So he wasn't the main event guy on pay-per-view. Yeah, he's main eventing more every now and then, but he wasn't main eventing the pay-per-views. That was John Cena. CM Punk was second to last m- most pay-per-views. <laughs> and right up until suddenly they needed to build him up for The Rock. But he kind of fit into that mould of, but you're not the guy that we're pushing. <laughs> but anyway, my whole point being, I'm probably going to cut out a lot of that, my main point being that it's interesting to be now be in an era where Guy gets that support from the fans where the story wasn't there telling them to get behind him and they give him a moment like this with a little bit of build to go into it and it feels like it's a true elevation. I mean, obviously we've not seen the Smackdown after Crown Jewel, but my assumption is with the way that it felt, the way they were building LA Knight before SummerSlam, where they were starting to give him, they designed a battle royal purely so he could win it at SummerSlam. For me, that just shows that they generally felt like they had something and they were testing the waters and they were pushing pushing the LA Knight boat out just a little bit further just to see, can this can really swim? Can this really float? And this was the ultimate test. And the answer was yes. And, and when I say the ultimate test, it, obviously I'm not looking for a five-star match. I'm looking for how does the character feel on the show and how does the crowd respond to it. Obviously we've seen the American crowds and the Saudi crowd responded incredibly positively. But as the match itself, you run on the real Roman, Roman Reigns match. Being on Twitter afterwards was just a slew of I'm kind of done with this now. <laughs> and it's really weird because obviously there is a fan base that absolutely loves this and I can judge it in kind of that way. Well, it's obviously they're still buying into it. Like they have got a star in Roman Reigns and there's a section that will cheer for him, the champion who's doing amazingly. With it, as in, in terms of his character, he's doing this amazing thing and the fans are cheering for it continuing. And uh, Ellie Knight got a lot of fan support. But the, the match itself is the run of the mill. Roman Reigns, he dominates early on. Then the other guy fights in, starts to believe in himself, that they can really take him down, starts to get the upper hand, interference. Roman Reigns swings in, good guy fights back, interference. <laughs> and that's it for Ellie Knight. Jay used to coming out to tackle Jimmy to bring that to a, a bit more of a directional point. I don't know if something's going to happen with Survivor Series with the Bloodline. My assumption was we're doing a Judgment Day thing. Uh, I'm going to say assumption. I've obviously seen more. <laughs> so we are heading in that di- in a Judgment Day direction and normally do we do a men's and a women's. And there's not quite enough Bloodline members to really make it work. Whilst they've been purposely building the Judgment Day stuff for a while now, where we've been seeing the same people interacting for like every single week for quite a while. It's not the Saudi shows of the past, where it felt like this is a departure, we're going to stop what we're doing for a month, build up to this show, then the uh, regular scheduled programming will continue. Under Triple H has been fully integrated and it's fully setting up and testing the waters and stuff. I feel like any night could be in for a decent WrestleMania Royal Rumble run. To maybe to a mid-card match designed to put him over in some manner, but it looks like it's going to be Logan Paul Bad Bunny, which I don't think WWE would ever turn down <laughs> to do that championship match at WrestleMania. Then LA Knight just kind of gets left with not a lot to do. I personally feel like LA Knight should get a big match, I just don't know who against or in what manner. And on SmackDown there's not a lot of options, I don't really know what they would go for. But it was your run-of-the-mill Roman Reigns match. Nothing really that crazy. You've seen your standard three and a half star, but the fans really get into it towards the end. And you've, you've got your moments towards the end. Your, is it Blunt Force Trauma? I can't remember what the... I forgot what Eddie Knight's finish is called. <laughs> Whatever Eddie Knight's finish is called. You get that moment where you build up to him finally hitting it, and then Roman Reigns is able to survive. And I feel like that was the main story of the match, of Eddie Knight building up to believe that he could do it within that moment, fighting off the odd, doing it, and it wasn't enough. And personally for me... I like the idea of Roman Reigns. I I don't know how I want him to lose it, but I want there to be a story built to it rather than a guy. And that leads me, obviously, (laughs) into the meme of Cody Rhodes. There's always the chance of, if you've got the other guy, you've got Solo Sokoa, 
where if you want to go a bit more long term and have Roman's reign, he's like, you know what? We're not that far off the Hogan run. <laughs> so you just hold it even longer. Would that be, wait, would that be SummerSlam next year? I think that might be pushing it too far. <laughs> but this is Sona Sokoa, was my point. And maybe it's just a bit too far to say maybe if you spend a year and a half really building up Solo. And for me, the way to do it is Paul Heyman realising that Solo's been able to do all of this stuff to get all of this momentum, to defeat all, to defeat all of the same people that Roman Reigns has, and probably have him go through some others. You've got Cody, you've got Brock Lesnar, you've got all the people that are Kevin Owens, all these different people, Sami Zayn, <laughs> all these different people that Roman Reigns has defeated, but Solo has done it without the help. Paul Heyman, over the course of time, can notice that happening. He's with Solo all the way. He sees all of this, and he notices that Solo has been defeating all these guys without any help whilst Roman Reigns needs the whole bloodline and everything to distract and get him those titles. You can tell that story, but the only problem is it needs a little bit longer to heat up, and maybe Roman doesn't need to be champion for that to work. Maybe him losing it can then be the catalyst for Roman to work that way. Instead, they've got options. They're building people up, which give you options, which they didn't really have on the Vince. That's nice to see. I don't really want to have much more to say about the main event. It elevated LA Knight relatively fine. It continued the run. The match was all right. If it was your match to do like a water test for LA Knight, it passed. Cody Rhodes defeated Damian Priest, uh, send your money in the bank, Damian Priest. They really are putting a lot more focus on his story, and they keep bringing it up. <laughs> it's constantly there. I feel like Kevin Owens going over might have been a bit of a tease, thinking that you thought it was going to be Cody Rhodes. I'm going to be actually the only way for Cody to get there. It's probably going to be the Royal Rumble, so you can have Cody win the Rumble again and go after Roman. Or you've got your different story of Cody is desperate to finish the story, but at the end fails because of whatever other story is being built up at the time. There's lots of different options. But the other one to be there is, is Seth Rollins even going to be champion because of the whole Damien Priest being money in the bank? <laughs> that is a absolutely huge part of the, the flow of Monday Night Raw going into WrestleMania. Is who's even going to be champion? And if you are really cementing them as like the bloodline of the time taking over the show and all of the warnings of the people fighting back saying we can't have another bloodline is making sure the audience is fully aware of the negative kind of landscape it will cast if they become champion. Then you give them all the titles. <laughs> I'm, I'm personally a fan of that you lay the groundwork you make sure everybody understands <laughs> what this means they understand the gravity of what the situation would be then you cast the situation <laughs> you do it you give them exactly that it lays the ground for it to happen rather than it kind of like oh now I've got, I've got all the power and then we'll do loads of you know, like speeches to open the show to tell you how we've got the power rather than characters reacting to it being snatched up and happening <laughs> and I really like that I like Jay Uso's reactions I like Sami Zayn Drew McIntyre it all feeds into it and it feeds into Seth Rollins losing because he's turning people in a quite heelish manner because <laughs> we'll say with Seth Rollins match against Drew McIntyre when you watch the promo backwards and Seth Rollins is like take her like for God's sake stop talking about it you need to move on Drew he comes across as the bad guy <laughs> like surely I'm not the only one who thinks that the way Seth Rollins talks about it I was like actually no Seth Rollins is the one not living in feels like he's the one that's ignoring the reality whilst Drew is weighed down by the consequence of it Seth is more just move on man when what's staring him in the face <laughs> is the judgement day They've been painting Death Rollins as a weakened champion as well. Like he's going through all of these matches with his weakened back and Judgment Day is ready to strike at any moment. Will it be a December test cash-in or will this be full-faith WrestleMania season? For me, that's the only question. Do they go full-faith in what they've got in the Judgment Day or do they test it out in December? You can do both, obviously. You can use December to test if you should go into the full run. 
especially if it's like a first-time champion, they've done that quite a few times. Obviously, the, the, some really wild decisions, like like Sheamus winning randomly in a tables match against John Cena, like way before he'd even been built up. He was just like a mid-card new new guy, somewhat impressing. Suddenly, he's world champion. That happened a lot in the early 2000s. They did not know. They were they were throwing shit at the wall. <laughs> it's the kindest way to put that era. Oh, that was a bad era. Because uh, Cody Rhodes is a vital element in building up Damian Priest. And yes, Cody won. And yes, it's his standard thing in WWE of the Money in the Bank guy loses <laughs> all the time because he's going to get that win. Personally, I'd build up the guy who's got the cash in to make the cash in feel more dangerous. He is a guy who could deservedly be champion rather than you beating him all the time so he doesn't feel like he deserves it. And then you've got to convince people he should be champion afterwards. And quite often you end up in the Carmella situation. Put the work in beforehand. You don't have to then do that. Like, we're like, which one is it? Do they deserve to be champion or not? And I mean, again, the match Cody Rhodes doing feet was fine. It's a similar interference affair, costing matches uh, for Cody, shenanigans all over the place. <laughs> and, but that fed into the opening match as well, with Seth Rollins defeating Drew McIntyre in, for me, match of the night. The, uh, the others were fine. They were absolutely fine. But for me, Seth Rollins and Drew went out, went out there to have the best match and to kind of cement that legacy for the title whenever they go to Saudi Arabia. When this title's on the line, you're going to get the work, workhorseman kind of show. You had the through line of the Judgment Day like coming off from the kickoff match where it was Sami Zayn versus JD McDonough. That then fed into the opening match with Sami Zayn saving Seth Rollins, which then feeds into the late Raw, and which then feeds into Survivor Series. <laughs> As in, it's all step by step. It all works and it makes, makes sense in terms of setting up the world for what comes next. You're priming the audience. You condition. It's it's good conditioning. It's the type of shit that just didn't happen in the Vince era, where it, well, it was more like I will tell you what you're going to like, but I'm not going to try to condition the audience so that they will be accepting of it when it happens. Triple H is doing that stuff. This is standard TV writing stuff, <laughs> but to see it in WWE actually happening. I'm I'm starting to applaud it. The point being that they've had the slightly separate worlds a little bit with Seth dealing with Drew but Drew's whole thing because he was late, joined to the Judgment Day meant that when Seth Rollins defeated him he, fell into, he started to feed the Judgment Day a lot more very Ripley trying to recruit Drew then paints that into Seth's head kind of turns his focus to the Judgment Day a lot more rather than ignoring it whilst feeding with Shinsuke and then with Drew saying like it's not that big a deal but there they are just in the background of Seth's story now they're starting to seep in the Judgment Day have started to ooze their way into Seth's storylines and again, it makes it just feel that much more natural. You conditioned the audience to start pairing Judgment Day with Championship stuff. But this show, Crown Jewel, did a lot to set up Survivor Series. That's basically my takeaway point. Overall, it's an absolutely fine show. But also did a decent job building up Survivor Series. And it, the test of LA Night worked. It passed. And I think we'll see that on SmackDown. It should get a really good reaction. This was fine, but I still feel like the overall sentiment was a positive one. My kind of stance is, but as long as you still know what it is, you can, you can, you can enjoy the shows now. They're not awful. They're absolutely fine. WWE fans especially, they're kind of getting what they want. But also don't forget that the Saudi shows are propaganda shows and the re- what WWE are being paid to promote the propaganda. They're not being paid to put on a show. They're being paid to promote the propaganda. And that's the difference. In the UK, WWE paid to book the stadium and tour. In the Saudi Arabia, the government paid WWE to promote the propaganda to the West. That's what. That's it. <laughs> not more complicated than that. But yeah, it's better propaganda, but it's still propaganda. <laughs> that's the takeaway for it. Anyway, that's the end of the Crown Jewel segment. Uh, I know that I talked a little bit long for the propaganda side of it, but I feel like that's just because I just needed to get my thoughts out there. So sorry, future editing, Matthew. Anyway, so that's the end of the Crown Jewel review. An absolutely perfectly fine show that did its job in setting up what's to come next and testing the waters with LA Knight successfully. Then came the aftermath. Then came Monday Night Raw. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm tired of the games every night, every week. You four want to play games. You four want to play games. You want to play games? We're going to play games in Chicago at Survivor Series in War Games. Hell yeah! War Games! It's not quite the same, and <laughs> B is doing it as William Meagle, but it's good to see it arriving on the main roster. A War Games was set for Survivor Series. It's the one lasting, when I say one lasting, obviously in the Vince here we've got all the branded pay-per-views like Hell in a Cell coming on with Money in the Bank, which meant that every single year you had rivalries building to Hell in a Cell whether they wanted it or not. And in the Triple H era, getting rid of that is 100% the right call. I say Triple H era, I don't know if that's more of a Nick Khan decision, but I'm funny with it. I'm fully with the Nick Khan decisions just to get rid of those like branded pay-per-views gone and uh, more global pay-per-views just to really give WWE that world feel which is part of their name and to really give that uh, kind of uh, feeling uh, to their branding. I think it's a massive addition as well. Uh, but War Games is like the last <laughs> kind of of that thing where every single year you'll get to a point where you're just like, right, okay, it's that time of year so we're going to build up to War Games. And I feel like... As fans who have been watching wrestling a bit more deeper, we've also been seeing this in NXT for a few years as well. In NXT with War Games, it always got to that certain time of the year, and you were just like, okay, it's that time of year, we're building to War Games, cool. This time for Monday Night Raw, they built to War Games for months <laughs> ahead of time. So it's more of, it's less of a, oh, it's War Games season, that's uh, geared towards that. It's like, no, no, last year as well with the Bloodline stuff, and this year with Judgment Day, each time... It has been built up for months, and by the time it's announced, you're like, oh, bloody finally. <laughs> of course, last year had the addition of it being the first time on the main roster. This time, it's a full year of Triple H building, and now we get that groundwork going into it with Judgment Day. And honestly, the fact that they've put in the work beforehand makes me absolutely fine with it. I'm not someone who's going to critique it or anything. It's like, well, no, they've been building to this for months. It's not like it's, again, the main problem in the Vince era is feuds weren't built up enough for Hell in a Cell. The wrestlers and the roster were still great enough to put on, most of the time, a decent show, aside from when the creative would cripple them and you'd end up in a situation where you really shouldn't be <laughs> doing what you ended up doing. If you build up to it months in advance, then it's not really a problem anyway. That's the main problem with WWE, not under Vince. Not only were these branded pay-per-views meant that every single time you got to at this point in every calendar year, it was like, oh, okay, suddenly we're building to it, meaning that your big, grandiose matches like this didn't have the same gravitas to them because it was not... These big feud enders are now just happening because it was October. Which is <laughs> like, uh, whatever. It took away so much of, again, the gravitas of the match. You can at least build to them. Like, the schedule that you book doesn't come out of nowhere. <laughs> you can build to all this stuff. And that's something that Triple H has just gotten on top of. Like, again, it's not a crazy thing. It's not a really crazy idea to be able to book to the shows that you're going to. It's like, you do know... Things aren't the way they are 
because that's how it needs to be set in stone there's nothing you can do like no it's a bed you've made for yourself <laughs> like you can do whatever you want here you can change anything and this is like a little thing for it it's like gone are the branded pay-per-views it's no longer kind of a crux holding them back now there is only the one really in war games but with it being this one they also built up to it for months it didn't come out of nowhere this is something where on the very first week after Crown Jewel, immediately, they're like, we've been building up to this for ages, we're not going to beat around the bush, immediately, War Games is announced. <laughs> and I think that's the thing I appreciate the most about it. They didn't hang about. <laughs> it was immediately, this was announced. And I personally am here for it. I'm a really big fan of the way that they've handled it. I think the other thing as well is they've obviously set up loads of different storylines to possibly spin off of this match as well. That's the other massive benefit. You built up all of these characters that are going to be taking part in this match. You've got the Judgment Day and all their little quabbles with uh, with Finn Balor and Damian Priest having their little issues. You've got Ray Ripley taking control. I'm assuming this is why JD McDonough has been put in there as well, just to give Judgment Day the people to do this match. You've got Drew McIntyre. What's his loyalty going to be as well? Um, um, when I say I'm a fan of it, I don't mean that I am like super it's like going over the top crazy for me or be like oh my god it's going to be amazing it's like no i'm more critiquing it going like yeah they've done the work they've done the legwork to make it work we're not in the vince era anymore it's written competently and this has been built competently before it got announced <laughs> so well done i'm a positive boy <laughs> i'm a positive boy but forget to do the war games voice <laughs> which is an english run is by like one wwe time a year i've got a quote <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Regal. Anyway, also, we got Zoe Stark will be facing Ray Ripley at Survivor Series for the WWE Women's World title after last eliminating Shayna Baszler in the Battle Royal. It's a Battle Royal that was a Battle Royal on television. Uh, they put a lot of stock into Ivy Nile. Uh, aside from that, not a, a lot to really write home about. It was a perfectly fine TV Battle Royal. I mean, it was one of those where partway through I was like, I don't know who's going to win because no one's, really sti- no one's still really been built up enough on this show to feel like a true contender. And why not give it to Zoe Stark, somebody who seemingly will benefit from the opportunity as a character you're somewhat trying to establish and elevate? There's that. I mean, obviously she's got to lose, but I feel like it's a decent enough decision. It's like I was talking about with Ellie Knight. You can do a match where it's designed for someone to get experience on this kind of level when you know they're going to be a bigger player down the line. I'm fine with that. Zoe Stark could be elevated by this, and it wasn't really anybody else. <laughs> Any, there's no real other character that's kind of there at this point, which is the main problem with Raw. And I guess SmackDown's not much better, to be fair. There just isn't any depth to these women's rosters. They're doing an amazing job with the men. However, that is not the case for the women's division. There's Becky, there's Ray Ripley, there's a massive gap, <laughs> and then there's just a few names. Really, I'm... so That's why Soe starts absolutely fine. She's somebody who's on the up, so why not use this pay-per-view channel or something like that? Also, the Miz is number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship. Good for him. They seem to be going for some form of screw finish, I assume, to do a Miz versus Bronson Reed match next week. However, immediately when you're watching it live, you know it's not quite gone correctly because you were just able to immediately see that Ricochet kicked out a clear one or two seconds before the Miz did. The referee doing a really slow count just to make sure that it's a really close count. But because the referee is looking as close as he can, that then means he does the count really slowly and Ricochet's kind of timed kick out feels way too early just because the referee is doing such a slow count to try and time it and because they were trying to t- they were trying too hard to time it perfectly which then meant that it was way more obvious that it got it incorrectly if they just all three of them just done it as naturally as possible really it's the one time I'm with the Vince way of doing something <laughs> literally just count it if they don't kick out in time that's their fault for a spot like this because you are making it look too orchestrated <laughs> something like this plus it makes it look worse when you're trying to time it 
and then one of them clearly kicks out because he got the whole production set up. Everything afterwards is all set up to go into the details, to, to look at it, see how close the kick out was, to have Michael Cordo's big reaction with Wade Barrett being like, oh my god, lucky dick kick out, I thought that's what happened. When it's clear on first watch. <laughs> so, yeah, that's one of those where the production wasn't quite up there with what they were trying to do. It wasn't quite timed correctly in the orchestration of it. But that was Raw, really. Raw's main point was setting up War Games. So that's worth is Sammy bouncing off of Crown Jewel in the main event after... I don't even mention that Sammy helped Seth <laughs> win. Uh, Zoe Stark winning the Battle Royal and Mid winning his Intercontinental Championship. Everything was about building to matches at Survivor Series. Immediately, Crown Jewel done. Third or fourth gear already driving to Survivor Series. No hanging about. No week of like a repercussions from the event or everyone reels and then changes gears to then set up for it. No, immediately. Matches, matches, matches. <laughs> Two title matches and war games also up on Monday Night Raw. Can't say the same for NXT. <laughs> Let's get into NXT. Let's get into NXT. Now time for NXT. Back inside. And set up perfectly for a second. Oh, it's got to Spear by Braun Breaker. Not a lot to say. <laughs> a show that very much was... We like Bron Breaker hit a spear and then got slammed through a table by the presentation still not quite working, Von Wagner. And then the Trick and Carmelo closer could have been an email. <laughs> like I really wasn't <laughs> I really wasn't that excited about this episode of NXT. When I say excited, what I mean is when I was watching it, I wasn't really pulled in by anything that was happening. Um, I appreciated Von Breaker's spear at ringside. That had some oomph to it. I appreciated the uh, slam Von Wagner did to him through the table. Like, Von Wagner's counter may not be working, but at least he knows how to slam a big boy through a table and get a reaction out of me. <laughs> so I was like, Booker's noises. <laughs> he had a couple on this show. <laughs> I don't know if I'll use one of those for the clip. I mean, you'll know by now if you use it for the clip, but <laughs> that was the trouble. But was it, there, was, there was a lot of, like, little segments giving just people time to get over their characters, but there wasn't a lot going on, really, for me. There were there's things that had been built up to, like the Akira Tozawa stuff. But it's not stuff that I was particularly invested in. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like to be fair, NXT happened, but after the show, like the days afterwards, nobody was talking about it. And I feel like that's the biggest talking uh, talking about with NXT sometimes is even the very next day, it's already been forgotten that it happened. But to be fair, this time NXT was in the news cycle. It's just the show itself wasn't. And the biggest news for NXT not coming from on the show, but hot off the press release. Uh, they are officially headed to the CW Network in October next year. Uh, the CW is the home for badly written young adult drama, so arguably it's the perfect place for NXT. Uh, that's my hot take. <laughs> and it, yeah, I feel that's all I've really got to say for that. Like, I heard the news, I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing. It's a completely new network that I've, I don't think I've seen WWE on before. At least, well, NXT definitely. In my head, was SmackDown on it years ago. I don't know if I've made that up. Uh, they want something. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, but the CDW's got a reputation, and NXT arguably already fits it. <laughs> so they, as soon as I heard the noise, uh, the news, that was my immediate gag. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that's that place with those badly written, like, young adult drama shows that teens watch. That's the perfect place for NXT. <laughs> the NXT is the CW of wrestling. <laughs> uh, uh, but that was the biggest news of the week. Yeah, I th personally, I think it's a fitting home. I'm interested to see how it does. But and as far as I know, like 
CW is not getting massive ratings and stuff at the moment, so the, why not take this gamble? I feel like it probably will pay off for what they're getting for a lot of their stuff. I think that's the other thing as well is you see numbers go, going down and getting compared to stuff, but numbers are going down all over the place, and actually Vessi's numbers are relatively fine. And, uh, and as, to be fair, that's like one of the main points that Meltzer keeps trying to bring up is in terms of like the different demographics and viewer numbers and things like last week smackdown was for overall viewers smackdown was really far down it did not get a good overall viewers numbers but when it came to their demographic they're like second best out of like it's i don't even understand how america works <laughs> to even get those statistics uh, i do know that the, the actual model that's used to get those numbers is incredibly outdated but it still kind of shows that how wild a difference. Like WWE has got a lot more of a grasp on that younger audience that TV is just losing and bleeding constantly. And then over on the other TV shows and stuff, it's just they've. I'm assuming the only audience has gone to streaming and stuff. Like I, I hardly watch any television from my country. Uh, I've got BBC iPlayer, but I'll watch most of the stuff I watch is on streaming, be it. Be it YouTube, be it me watching videos on YouTube, be it, um, be it Disney, be it Amazon, be it Netflix, whatever. Like I'm not watching a lot of TV, and I'm not the generation they're worried about. Really, <laughs> it's a bit. It's the generation after me is properly not on TV. I'm a bit on television. Every, like every now and then, I, I will check out something. Like Doctor Who comes back at the end of this month. I'm gonna be watching that on BBC. Like I will watch that. I watch sports and stuff. <laughs> so I mean, sports has been seen as that last kind of vestige of television which is like a, the one guaranteed thing still bring people in that and a massive world or national event but over and WWE kind of fits into that bracket of it's, it's in between television and sports it's sports entertainment damn it <laughs> so so WWE as a brand as well has just been able to get these insane deals Fox's one was built off of just something that was never going to happen and it seems like the TKO group as well was also sold to them over falsehoods of what they could get from it. And they're now trying to see, figure out how they can recoup their costs properly as an investment group <laughs> rather than like a, a TV network that WWE been doing deals with in the past. It, it's, a, it's an interesting time just because there's all that stuff to shake about. I've not seen anything announced on Monday Night Raw either, but maybe we get you, um, them both on USA for now. Um there's not really that much of a difference. Like at first, when WWE went to SmackDown, I thought, "Oh, it's going to be these huge production kind of differences." And they got those Fox cameras for a bit for the 4K stuff during the pandemic, but then they both kind of homogenized and they're relatively the same. Just one's got red lighting, one's got blue lighting. At least finally now, they've at least given the two different shows two different bosses, <laughs> I guess, to try at least create some kind of difference in the vibe between them. And if they've made the call to not do a Raw versus SmackDown match as a Survivor Series, that would be 100% the correct call. <laughs> well, I don't know. To be fair, if it's like a... If they made it the main focus of the pay-per-view, that would be an issue. What I've not asked myself is, what if it's a mid-card match? Like, what if you've got a full card, you've got a War Games main event, you've got your different title matches, you've got Seth possibly defending, unless he's in War Games. Uh, yeah, you got Inter Walters defending, you've got um, Mary Ripley defending, or whatever SmackDown's going to do on their side as well. You've got all that stuff going on. What then happens if the you have a traditional Survivor Series match just in the middle of the card, and that can be your office to SmackDown, where there's not a lot of animosity, but there's something there. You can even use it potentially as a kicking-off point to try and build something, rather than a, a kind of trying to build up the animosity to this being the point, and maybe this can be like the start of competition because Nick Ellis has only just come in. 
trying to sell us on the idea that this is going to be like a, a big hotly contested match between the two feuding general managers. Well, you could use this to be the start of competition and then take an entire year to try and sell me on it next year. Like it being in the mid card could be absolutely fine when the rest of the card is stacked outside it. And if it's a five card match as well, you got that can be a perfectly fun match. Just slap them in the middle. Uh, of course, the only problem being the war games is pretty long, <laughs> so maybe you choose that number to four. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, I realise I'm tangented away from uh, what I was meant to be talking about. <laughs> but yes, the the NXT moving to CW is a jokingly perfect fit. <laughs> well done them. Well then. Uh, there's the NWA drama as well, where apparently they were close to a deal, and then there's been the whole thing with cocaine and. I've not read it. I've not read anything. I've just seen people do- talking and joking about it. <laughs> I do not know what's going on here. Uh, hit me up at, at the damn implicate on Twitter to tell me what on earth's going on, or send me a link to some of the news with the NDA stuff because I've not followed it. <laughs> I've not followed it, and the news cycle is so quick. I'd have to Google it. Oh God, Google it on my own. Ugh, I've got the Sims Four mods to install. <laughs> Anyway, uh, with that said, I say uh, thank you for listening, engaging in, in any form, any manner, or always appreciated, never take it for granted. And yeah, do support all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We've got Rich and James from One Nation Radio. We've got Floyd from All Elite Wrestling. All Elite Wrestling? Yeah, let's just say that. <laughs> from All Things Elite. And we've got Jeremy and Josh over at the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, your place for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And with that... A bid with you. Adios. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 